Hey, ready? Born ready, son. Three, two, one. Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. I'm Michael Morgan, he's Trisanga Malata, and this is Shots Fired. No G or Kairos this week, but I'm coming. I'm coming straight from Jamaica. Where you at? Where you at, Trisanga Malata? <laughs> I'm in Fulham blood. <laughs> Nowhere near as exotic a location as, uh, as, as you, Mike, but the sun is trying to peep out, but there's just dark clouds everywhere. Maybe it's an ominous sign for the... Uh, the imminent freedom day that is approaching and the madness which is going to ensue but apart from that I'm, I'm all good I'm all good is it an ominous sign for football is it coming home um it's coming I, I fully believe like I fully I'm yeah I, I'm, I'm fully invested fully invested but that said England played Denmark in this semi-final today for people who will be listening to that on, on Wednesday but Denmark are being driven by uh, a greater force. I don't know if you saw that um, one of their players, Christian Eriksen, he basically had a cardiac arrest on the pitch. And uh, since then, that. yeah. Football, but that was everywhere. And the, the travesty about that, sorry to interrupt you, but the travesty about that is surely there is etiquette in terms of what you can and can't film. And someone having a heart attack, surely something that you shouldn't be filming. Well, yeah, the, the BBC were right, right, rightfully panned for their um, for, for their decision decision making uh, afterwards. Like, so the BBC will get the feed from the whoever I don't know which uh, governing body was overseeing like the the footage or what have you. But the BBC could have cut the screen and could have just gone back to the studio instead. Mm. They they zoomed in on on his, like his, his teammates formed a huddle around him because obviously they wanted to stop people from seeing him in the state that he was in, and then afterwards they um, they zoomed in on on his, uh, his his girlfriend or his wife who was crying by the side of the pitch, which it's worse. Y- yeah, so family grief. Yeah. Uh, okay. What's worse? What what's what's worse than that? Okay. Show a guy having a heart attack. Yeah. It was it was bad. It was bad, and they came out with some half-ass apology saying oh yeah well we're not responsible for the footage that we're receiving blah 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 but they could have cut back to the studio easily uh, but anyway I'm, I'm 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 optimistic england will will win tomorrow and then it will be uh yeah it'll, it'll be either italy or spain in the in the final which on on sunday which it's going to be a big day and it could be a big day because of obviously the um what's going on a few hours earlier in the ufc 264 which we are here to talk about. I don't really do the whole football thing, as you know, so I <laughs> nicely into UFC 264 at uh, some point during this conversation. But you know what? In the usual style, in the usual fashion, we've got a couple of things on the docket that we want to discuss. First off, 
Leon Roberts. Leon Roberts. Leon Edwards. Oh, my days, man. Come on. Come on. Disrespect. But <laughs> Leon Edwards, um, speaking of disrespect, has, I feel, for the longest while, been disrespected. People just haven't warmed to him. People just don't feel as though he is their guy in terms of his charisma, his attraction, his traction uh, is virtually non-existent. When it comes to talking about UFC stars, his name doesn't actually come and uh, will pop up in the frame. And it should do, given his winning streak, given his striking prowess, given how technical he is, and just given the battle-tested opponents who he's faced and dispatched, he should be in the conversation. And it made me think, okay, from a PR perspective, what could Leon Edwards do to actually heighten or increase his traction and his attractability? And I, I thought I nailed it. I nailed it because I'm in Jamaica now. And it made me feel, you know what? What we need is tough Jamaica. If he gets through, and this is uh, Kamara Usman, if he gets through the widely touted um, next matchup, and that's going to be Colby Covington, if he gets through that, why not have tough Jamaica starring Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. Now, maybe I'm clutching at straws here. Maybe I'm trying to ham it up ever so slightly in terms of a concept because I am in Jamaica at the moment. Jamaica's on my mind. But what say you? How palatable do you think tough Jamaica would be? But secondly, is this what we really need in order to fall in love with, I mean, obviously, uh, not literally, we're talking figuratively, <laughs> in love with the bad man that is Rocky? To be honest, I, I, I'm open to the idea of, 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 uh, of, of Tough Jamaica. I'm, I mean, it, obviously the UFC like to do things in-house and Vegas, I'm, I'm speaking of Vegas be, being in-house, but it would be a nice change of scenery and I'm sure the fighters would enjoy it. I'm sure the UFC could... I mean, they 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 uh, they took over Yaz Island and and Abu Dhabi for, for for goodness sake. They could they could find uh, they could they could find a spot of land in Jamaica and make a compound and what and what have you, and allow the fighters to also like enjoy the beach area or, and what have you. Just give like a a more tropical vibe to to tough because I mean it's well I I don't want to speak down on or badly on Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega but from what I've watched this year the show is just dead it's just dead. I, I mean two two great guys two really but I just think the concept needs to change and or not necessarily the concept but maybe even just the location something different to um to spice things up and now as it pertains to um to to, to Leon Edwards being a coach I think it would be a, a fantastic idea, and uh, even if he doesn't get, um, well, even if it's not the, uh, the, the 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 cover, even if he gets through Covington and he still has to wait for a Kamara Usman fight, I mean that'd be great. Put him against Masvidal, put him in there against someone who has star power, and <laughs> he can uh, he can chat that uh, that Birmingham breeze. Can you imagine? Like yeah, just oh. or or no, obviously he'd be uh, he'd be. <laughs> he'd be chatting the, the Jamaican Patois basically to, in, in his homeland to, to Masvidal. It'd be great. And it'd be get, people would get to see the, um, the Leon Edwards that you and I know that who is, who, who is about that life, who just because he's soft-spoken and just because he's uh, very unassuming doesn't, doesn't mean that he's not, he's not a bad man, as you said. And like, I mean, we, we know the story extensively in, inside out, but, uh, but he, he very much is. And I think, 
I think it's going to take something like tough, like an appearance on tough for people to truly, to truly appreciate him and to appreciate his personality. Cause I saw a tweet the other day that um, I think there was, I think it's UFC Europe. They're offering to win a live, a live call with, uh, with Leon Edwards and people like the disrespect under the post that I saw was just, it was it was it was ridiculous. I mean, inevitable though. Come on, you have to admit. When I saw that being given as a prize, I mean, people were ridiculing it and saying, you know, this this is a prize. So yeah. you can't say that you're surprised. No, I'm, I'm I'm by no means surprised because it's it's um it's an easy narrative with with Leon. I think ever since the Masvidal incident, unfortunately, if if that Masvidal incident didn't happen. I think he'd be in a much better place than he is now. If, if all the matchups had, that happened, uh, that subsequently happened, happened still without the Masvidal incident, I think he'd be in a much bigger place. I really do. I just think that in the eyes of fans and maybe even in the eyes of the, the powers that be, that that, <laughs> that 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 incident just just lowered his stock. I think in in, in their eyes, which which is which is a crying shame, you know. Like I mean, I I, I applaud Leon for actually not getting fully involved in a full-on brawl there because obviously you shouldn't be able to you shouldn't be doing that in public and Joe Schilling needs to, to hear that as well you should you, you can't be you can't just be assaulting people in in public and, and getting away with it and I think if he had done so in particular over here in the UK that would have made the um that would have only harked us back to the uh, to the early perceptions of cage fighters being thugs and ruffians who are willing to fight anywhere, anytime, and that they're they're not athletes who have stories and who have lives outside of the cage. So I was actually happy that he didn't get involved in it, but I think uh, it, it's evidently had a, a detrimental effect on him. But I'm just hoping that he does get a fight with Colby because if that that's the only fight that that makes sense right now. Obviously, he beat he beat Nate, although. In many people's eyes, Nate won the won the night, but he needs a he needs a big name. He needs a heel to um to 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 generate traffic. Obviously, he needs to do that himself to to a certain extent, but um yeah, he needs a big name to to, to, to he needs a big name. He needs to beat a big name. Obviously, Nate Diaz is a very big name, but he needs to beat a Colby Covington to truly make himself undeniable at this moment in time. Because I mean, if you've seen some of Kamara Usman's uh, recent Twitter interactions, it seems that he's even flirting with the idea of fighting Nate Diaz, which is absolutely preposterous. And his, his manager even floated that out there. But Leon needs to do something big in his next fight. I mean, I I, I think he's very much, uh, very much, he's uh, he's well and truly deserved the title shot two times over for going by uh, old meritocracy standards or, or what have you. But it's just not moving the needle in the right way for, for fans, which is... Uh, why I wanted to jump in and just pick up on the not moving the needle because I think that is the absolute issue here with Leon Edwards. He does not move the needle because there is no charisma. There is no reason for people to actually warm towards him or even hate him. He's kind of like, and I hate to say this because him being a breeder, him being from Jamaica originally, I feel as though there's a bit of treachery going on by what I'm about to say, but they are facts. He hasn't got the charisma. He hasn't got the traction. He hasn't got the love of the fans. Because let's face it, what actually gives you all of those? Saying the right thing in the right way with the right venom. That is not the life that he's about. He's very, very softly spoken for a start. There yeah. is no bass, no vim in his voice. 
And when we're just talking from an audible perspective here, that's the first thing. Secondly, what he says is very, very middle of the road. There is no caustic reactions. There is no um, vim in what he says. There is no one-liners that people can actually quote back. That's another thing. But yeah. the third and most important thing I have to say, I personally feel um, just going back to the interaction with um, Masvidal, I personally feel that was a lost opportunity because that was his one chance to actually spin it into a way of um, fans getting on board, either playing the villain or playing the hero, but he decided to do neither. He was middle of the road. Why not spin it into, right, when I catch this bread, I'm gonna go murder the blood clot and all of that. Why not take it to that level? Because then, then you have some emotion when you feel um, or hear Leon's name, there is some emotion there. At the moment now, I can guarantee you that is the one setback for him. And that is when you talk to fans, there is no emotional connection, either yeah. hate or love. There's nothing. And that's why he's got no traction. Perhaps, but maybe in the, uh, the, the, the build up to, to the countdown, obviously they, they recalled some of his stories, some of his life stories. So maybe he some people might begin to have an emotional attachment to him in that sense. But I do agree with what, what, what you're saying. He needs to, uh, I mean, we both know he has, he has the, uh, the vernacular in his repertoire. I just love for him. If he imagine at that press conference in Arizona, if he'd called Nate Diaz a bumbacla or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But he's too on code. For yeah. Young- I mean, and, but like, and, and again, like, I, I don't necessarily want somebody to deviate from 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 who they truly are, but and and yeah and, and oh, oh, we, we talked about you we're talking about UFC two sixty four later on, but a prime example of somebody who who really stayed true to themselves and didn't turn uh, turn heel for 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 lack of a better term is Dustin Poirier. He was very 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 well soft spoken and, and and what have you and. For a long time, fans wouldn't really, as you say, be emotionally involved in Dustin Poirier's fights. I, th- I think probably the first one would be the con- first Conor fight, but that's probably just because of the, the Conor effect and the intrigue in Conor. And people are wondering, is this guy good enough uh, to, to be a legit featherweight, at, uh, which Poirier was. He was a legit featherweight title contender at, at the time. Yeah. But now, obviously... Dustin, fast forward, fast forward however many years, like seven years, Dustin Poirier knocked out Connor. He stayed true to himself and now he's getting his just dues and just rewards. And sometimes that works for, with, with some people. And I mean, even uh, even Masvidal to a certain extent, yeah, he was this uh, this bad boy who didn't, didn't give a fuck or, or didn't care for what people did. But again, like he didn't change his personality. He stayed the course and what have you. There was no, there was no cold, because, there's no WWE, the heel t- 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 type turn from like the good guy to, to, to becoming the bad guy with Masvidal. You just stay true to himself and uh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop with the revisionist history here. We both know in both of those cases, those, both of those scenarios, there was a change in personality. There was a change in rhetoric. There was a change in vim and venom because with Masvidal, mm-hmm. he adopted the whole street Jesus persona. Okay, yeah, all right. But that, that, that was a mentality yeah. thing as well. But I think. I yeah, think- where people kind of like latched onto this, rah, who is this guy? And then the vernacular and what he was saying. Plus with Poirier, more people are starting to give him credit for the vim and venom that he's got now when he took 
um, McGregor to task for not paying his dues, for not paying those yeah, bills. And he's ratcheted that up. Have you seen the latest interviews? They're all, all of them, without, um, without exception, is dusting on crud. I, I, to be honest, I actually, believe it or not, I know, and I know it's my job, I actually have not watched uh, any of the interviews <laughs> yet. I need to. I think I've watched maybe like the first five minutes of uh, Dustin's one with, with ESPN. But um, and yeah, and it's it's quite weird. And obviously, by by this time each uh, each week, there's always a plethora of, of McGregor content. But I think maybe they've uh, they've uh, what you call it? They've, they've regulated it because of the magnitude of the of the fight. Mm. Leon does need to have a bit more bass in his voice. He could borrow some from mine, even though I can't back it up. But <laughs> but but yeah, sadly it, in in. He's going to need, uh, it's either going to be like a viral KO or, mm-hmm. or a face-to-face retribution with Jorge Masvidal that's going to catapult him into, uh, into superstardom. And it'd be wow. interesting yeah. to see, it, it, like, it'd be interesting to see actually what happens because I generally, I, I hand and heart believe that Leon would, would go and confront him. He, I'm not saying that he'd go and start swinging straight away, but mm-hmm. he'd go and he'd, shoot the breeze with him and say what are you saying now or whatever but only time will tell and hopefully that fight happens but it looks like um well masvidal came out or his management came out the other day said that they're looking at nick diaz who's coming off the back of a six-year layoff <laughs> near and uh colby covington but we'll see what happens yeah exactly well over to you in terms of what you're bringing to the table if anything at all what's on your docket this week so obviously UFC 264, we, we talked about briefly. We know the big fights are on there. Obviously the the eagerly anticipated trilogy fight between Messers, McGregor and Poirier. But I wanted to talk about the opening card, the opening fight on the on the main card. And I believe that is Sean O'Malley against Chris Moutinho, the newly signed Chris Moutinho. Yeah. Sean O'Malley was, of course, meant to be fighting Lewis Smoker. Lewis Smoker was unfortunately uh, had to withdraw from the fight due to an injury, I, I believe. I, if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me, people. A plethora of names in the bantamweight division. And I, I think I even saw maybe some featherweights, or whatever. Maybe I'm just making that up, or maybe I'm just, I, I saw something I didn't see. Threw their hats into the ring to, to fight Sean O'Malley. Obviously, I think they did. They did that because a Sean O'Malley is a big name, and a, a victory over him would do wonders on for their career. And b it's a curtain jerker for the main main card on a Conor McGregor card. So the uh, the opportunity to get a win over a, a surging prospect like that on such a big card was was a massive, massive one. Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a nice way to, to to say this. The UFC opted against giving any of the, the bantamweights who called for the shot the opportunity to uh, to fight O'Malley. And they obviously went with Mr. Chris Moutinho. And that got me thinking, uh, are the UFC trying to manage Sean O'Malley's career into uh, a, a point, yeah, manage, it, manage him into a point where he gets towards the, or gets into the top 15, has favorable matchups. So then, or not, not necessarily favorable matchups. I'm not saying that this is, like what they do in boxing, where they'll put a, a bum in there with somebody who has no business being in, in. He has no has no business being in there with, but just a favorable matchup that will p- 
keep him on the path to to, to superstardom, especially after the uh, the loss to Marlon Vera last year, I believe. I think it was last August. So I'm of the belief that the UFC are carefully managing Mr. Sean O'Malley because they see that there is there is a bit of spark there already. He's in comparison to a lot of the fighters who have been on the roster for a very, very long time, he he makes considerable more waves and then gets considerable more traction in his, by all counts, from his uh, from his other business endeavors, his, his clothing line and I think his Twitch or whatever, he's making a lot more money than other fighters on the roster. Do you believe that the Ultimate Fighting Championship Chiefs are managing Mr. Sean O'Malley and be giving him favorable matchups? 100% without a doubt. And I'm going to throw something else in here, which is obviously going to season this discussion debate. Why not? It is very, very low in terms of on emerging talents. Yep. Um, rising or fast risers, shooting stars is the word I'm scrabbling to kind of get out. And it needs shooting stars. It needs fast risers. Sean O'Malley is that talent. Sean O'Malley is that shooting star. So why not? At the end of the day, we have to keep remembering that whilst, yes, it's in the entertainment business, it's in the sports business, it's also in the money-making business. Sean O'Malley is going to be a top earner, top money spinner and top attraction. And they need to steer his path to actually manage that. Personally, I have no issue with that. I often argue with G that perhaps I'm geared too much towards the entertainment side of mixed martial arts. But I know as a fan, as well as somebody who is a media owner, that that is what puts bums on seats. So I can see from their point of view why that would be the case. So yes to both of your assertions and I don't have any issue with it. No, I don't necessarily have a have, have an issue with it, but I mean, it's, uh, it, it, I just can't help but feel like if I was one of the other fighters, one of the other bad ones making my way up, it would, it would piss me the hell off to know that the UFC are taking more of a vested interest in, uh, in, in Sean than myself. But then again, you could also conversely say, well, you need to elevate yourself to that status to the point where the UFC are going to think, right, we see something in this guy. We're going to, we're going to, we'll, we'll steer him this way or what have you. And a very good point that you actually made, which is, quite poignant with, with, with this weekend and one of the narratives this weekend is that there ain't a whole lot of star power in the UFC roster at this moment in time. Like, barring, barring Conor McGregor and, okay, you've got John Jones, you've got Israel Adesanya and potentially Francis Ngannou. Um, I don't yet say Kamara Usman. I think maybe Usman with maybe another emphatic title defense or two. He can, he can, he can reach that status. But there's not a whole lot of stars. And I mean, obviously, John has been out for what, how long? Close to 16 months, I think, at this at this moment yeah, in time. A long time. A long, long, long time. So the UFC needs to carefully manage well, carefully manage the prospects who they do think are going to be stars. Same with uh, with Hamza Chimaev as well. They're they're gonna they're they're gonna manage him as well because as I said a long time ago that with Habib retiring, they need to um, they need they need someone to uh, to pick up the slack with the with the Russian market, which is a huge Russian slash Eastern European market, which is a huge huge one. And obviously, yes, um, they they had Peter Yan as a former champion, but he's not a needle mover in any way, shape, or form. And that's no disrespect for him. I'm just comparing him to the aforementioned names that that I said before. So the UFC in a precarious position, and I I, I think they're praying beyond praying that Conor doesn't lose this weekend because. 
I'll go into this later and I'll, I'll make my I'll, uh, make my case for this. But I think if he loses and loses emphatically, I think it's he's done for sure. And especially in the eyes of the casual. Hold uh, that thought because we're bouncing into that as we speak in well, terms of what we are going to be looking forward to in terms of runners and riders and many of the narratives that we believe that will be coming out of this. Now, as usual, we typically pick one of the, um, well, main card or even anything off the card that actually floats our boats. I'm going to go with you first off. What is actually on this card that makes you feel, you know what, definitely one to watch. Is a talking point here. Here's an emerging narrative. What say you, Chisanga Malata? Uh, so it's obviously, it's, it's the big one. Will the, the biggest star in the history of uh, mixed martial arts, will he, will he bounce back? And is he capable of mixing it with the elite of the elite at, at lightweight? Because let's not forget, and this is by no means a dig at Connor in any way, shape, or form, or whatever. It's been oh, it's been close to four and a half years since he beat Eddie Alvarez, his lone victory at lightweight, and mm. his, uh, his only other victory during that time was uh, a victory over uh, I don't want to say a washed up Donald Cerrone, but a Cerrone who's well and truly over the crescent of the hill, well and truly. So there's still there's still a lot of questions, a lot of questions that that need to be answered about about Connor and. I think from the from the outside looking in for like his preparations and, and what have you, it seems that he's focused. That, uh, I mean, I, it's going to kind of sound like I'm saying motivated BJ Penn, C-level Kane McGregor, motivated McGregor. Do, do you know what I mean? But from the outside looking in, it looks as if he's, he's doing the right things. And from the from the countdown, I don't know if you watched the countdown. Obviously, he's yeah, up, he's, he's up sticks to Costa Mesa in in California, mm. and if you notice, prior to last week, uh, prior to last week, which is when I think his team probably said, "Right, you need to start putting more stuff up on social media." Nobody knew that he was in California working. Nobody knew that he'd up sticks from. Well, he was previously training in uh, in the UAE before that, but nobody knew that he'd he'd up sticks and he'd taken five or six of his most trusted people to go set up shop in Costa Mesa in California. That was all kept under wraps. That yeah. was all kept under wraps. So, I think that uh, that attests to the fact that he's taking things seriously and that. Outside outside influences aren't playing as uh, big a factor as they did last time because obviously there was the ludicrous idea of a Manny Pacquiao fight as well, and then Floyd Mayweather was was touting a rematch and, and and what have you, and he was obviously overlooking Dustin. He was just thinking right, and I'm pretty sure he even said that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to prepare for uh, Pacquiao by fighting Southpaw and Dustin, which mm. I mean that couldn't have uh, he couldn't have had any more egg in his face after 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 that after that fight, but. Going into things, as I said, it looks as if he's in the right frame of mind, but there are a few questions. And one question being is, will he have made the appropriate changes, not just to his style or whatever? Because I think that's a, that's almost, that's like the, the the casuals narrative going into this because people will be like, oh, well, Connor was boxing. He wasn't fighting in mixed martial arts and what have you. Has he made the appropriate changes to his training camp and in, in particular sparring partners who are willing to push him the distance because there's been there's been rumblings and I'm not saying this is this is definitive that some of the training partners won't push him as 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 far as as far as as they can go and I think I can believe that to a certain extent because you don't want to if you get invited into a Conor McGregor training camp you want to make sure you stay there for as long as possible because I can imagine you're getting paid a healthy healthy amount so mm -hmm. you're not necessarily gonna go all out and you might 
you, you might hold back in certain instances and I'm not going to say let the guy be up on you or, or, or whatever, but you're, um, you're, you're by no means going to fully exert yourself. Pardon? Can I warm it up? That'd be all right. Huh? I can put it in a microwave, innit? Thanks. Sorry. I've been called. No worries. <laughs> no worries. So I'll leave this out. Actually. No, leave it in. Leave it in, man. It's uh, it shows that we're not just this rigid, regimented podcast. I mean, real life happens as as things go as things are going on. But going back to the point of what I was saying about sparring partners, pushing Connor. If you're uh, if you've been invited into that team, you want to make sure that you are securing that bag for full time. And yeah. for, for from what from what I've I saw, well, from what I've surmised, I don't necessarily think that that's been the case. I'd be happy to be proven wrong that that he has been pushed to the brink. In, well, I was pushed to the brink in the previous training camp, but I just don't necessarily think that's true. And I hope that that's one of the changes that that he's made because there's no, there's no anybody that's done any sort of martial arts knows that. Yeah, you can train, you can do some tra- lighthearted training and, and and what have you. But when the going gets tough, and whether it be your grappling match or in your kickboxing fight or whatever, the only way you will survive is if you've been doing the hard, hard graft and like the, you're putting yourself in awkward situations, and potentially that's maybe not been happening in, in the past but i hope that has been for, for this fight because i mean and if he loses i mean by no means in, in terms of the eyes of mixed martial arts fans will this be the case but i think he'll he'll be finished in terms of the casual fans case because no longer will he be able to captivate the audience the casual audience and the global audience with the with the uh with the bravado and the, the bold predictions that earned him the mystic Mac moniker of, of all that. Cause that's what people tuned in for. People were tuning in and seeing this, this braggadocious man from the Emerald Isle make these audacious predictions and deliver them and like deliver them emphatically. And if he, if, if he goes back to back losses, it, like combat sports is unfortunately a cruel mistress. Just as in, in, in with, with the same hand that it can catapult you to superstardom, it can pull you right back down to the bottom of the pile, and that's that's what's uh, that's a potentially what could happen if Connor loses emphatically, and yeah, and and even even if he goes to a decision and he doesn't it doesn't look good, I think that's potentially what could happen. But I'll be happy to uh, to see him win because obviously it'd be fantastic for this for the sport in general for the biggest superstar to to remain. Come to head though. Who are you going with? Who am I going with? Um, I've got a, a sneaking suspicion. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I've got Poirier winning by submission. I, 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 I really, really do. I think, I think that he might hurt Connor again, and I think Connor might shoot for a takedown. I think, yeah, I, I'm going for a, a Dustin Poirier guillotine. I don't know what round in, but I just got a feeling. I, I, I really do. I just got it in my head though that. Conor McGregor is a person of habit mm-hmm. and repetitious habit. And he does seem to win coming off the back of a loss to that person who he lost to. So I see him picking up a win here. I see him making those adjustments because if you look at it, maybe I'm overegging this, but the last fight, you know, I could see exactly what he was trying to do and I had to just rely typically and quite heavily 
on um, his striking offense, but with no defense. He would obviously have painfully watched through that painstakingly with not just himself, but his team, made those adjustments are the things which I'm expecting to be saying after this fight, because I feel that he would have assessed his performance, not been happy with that, based on the fact that he was gearing up for the Pacquiao fight. Now, going back to the drawing board is something that he's good at. He is very, very humble in defeat as well, but very, very um, charismatic in the fact that he accepts where he has gone wrong and is happy to actually outline that. And that's where I, what I see happening here. He's admitted what he has done wrong to himself, admitted it to his team, and he's going to make those adjustments with this. I see, I see a victory, possibly second round KO for Conor McGregor. And speaking of adjustments, I caught up with Dustin Poirier's boxing coach, Dyer Davis, to, to preview the adjustments, that the potential adjustments that Conor's made and get his thoughts on the trilogy fight as a whole. So check it out, folks. How has training camp for this fight been so far? Training Training camp has actually been marvelous, man. This is the best DP. I think just the best best version of DP that um, that the uh, the audience members will see. Honestly, training camp has been going really good. Uh, he's doing fantastic, fantastic, and inspiring. Um, you know, he's very coachable. He's uh, he's receiving things better for this fight than he ever has before in the past. So I'm really looking forward to uh, July 10th to put his full display of skills on on set for everyone. And what in particular has made you think that this is the best version of Dustin Poirier that you've have seen? Because you've been working with Dustin for a long time. A lot of people aren't too familiar with how long you've been working with him, but it has been a long time. Yeah, it's been uh, since 2012. So yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. Ten years, close yeah. to ten years. Nine years. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I mean, as far as like uh, you know, the quality of opposition that we've had for sparring for him, like. He's doing things great defensively that I've never seen him done before. Um, you know, offensively, he's he's countering. He's just doing a lot of good stuff in here, man. And I'm I'm really think he's gonna put it together come fight night. You know, not that he hasn't before, but again, the best version that I've seen from him thus far. And you, you talk about putting it together. He put it together well and truly in in Abu Dhabi. Put on a put on a masterclass with the with the low calf kick, and then obviously his boxing was on point. How would you assess that performance overall, and where would you rank it in Dustin's best performances? Um, let's see. As far as best performances, you know, he's had great, he's a, he's always had great performances. Um, um, you know, a Holloway fight, uh, the second Eddie Alvarez fight, um, the Gaethje fight. They've all they've all been great performances. Um, and he's always had to come back from some sort of adversity. Um, not so much in the Conor fight. I think maybe the first round was close. You know, he got tagged a little bit there, but nothing nothing to where it was, it was like, uh, you know, nothing alarming to where as we thought, you know, we're down so much that maybe later in the fight, they were, oh, we're going to need a knockout. Um you know, like, again, he got tagged a little bit in the first round. Um, and I just call that uh, just another fight of keeping you honest, you know, letting you know that you're in a fight. Um, as far as ranking, you know, obviously because of the magnitude and stature that Connor holds, it's a great, significant win. But, um, you know, the, the Eddie Alvarez fight, the Max Holloway fight, the Gaethje fight, those ranks up, those rank up there very highly as well. Oh, that, that's very true, and. You came up with uh, with a great game plan. You, you alluded to something special being in the pipeline when we spoke at the pre-fight press conference, and lo and behold, that turned out to be the, the calf kick game plan. But 
how are you going to uh, how how things going to be different this time now that Connor will be will be wary of the the low calf kick? Well, you know what? Honestly, it's a fight, and with that being said, the the calf kick wasn't to be honest with you, it wasn't in our game plan. You know, it's it's something that was available to him uh, in the fight, and you know that's that's the that's the greatness of 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 Dustin realizing that you know this is a weakness. Let me attack this weakness until something changes. And if something changes, then obviously I have to elude to something else. But um, the calf kick was available for him. It was working for him. So why go why go away from something that's working for you in the fight? And I think that that was the game plan. Once plan A starts to fail, then we'll move on to plan B. If plan B starts to fail, then we'll move on to plan C, so on and so forth. And a lot has been made about... Connor's been vocal. He's been saying that, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be adopting a different approach. I'll be ready for, for, the, for the calf kick. How much has that affected your preparations? And are you expecting a completely different Connor? Like maybe the Connor that, not close to the Connor that you fought in 2014, but something close to that. I mean, I think we're expecting a different Connor. And, and, and we're hoping for a different Connor. I, I hope that, um, you know, that he's went back and, and done his homework to, to realize that. I need to strengthen my game. I need to bring a better me coming forward in this next fight. Um, and we're hoping for that. You know, we want a good competitive fight. That's what we're looking for. You know, that, again, brings out the, the best Dustin Poirier. Like, he, he does well with adversity. Um, you know, a lot of times if you're in there and you're, you're, you're beating a guy, you can get complacent and end up getting caught with something uh, unwillingly, you know, just because you – you feel like you're ahead in the fight. You can get, like I said, you can get complacent. You can get complacent with walking away with an easy victory, knowing that you know you maybe walk out of there with a uh, decision and not necessarily have to go for the knockout. But um, you know he thrives better on uh, a ready and game opponent. And do you think six months is enough time to make the requisite adjustments for for Connor? Because I mean. He, he, he's been adopting a heavier stance for, for quite a while now, but it, it, you can't just change from that and go back to bouncing karate style the, the whole entire time. Right. Um, I think that's, I think we'll see remnants of that, Connor, you know, the, the bouncing karate style. Um, you know, maybe he did realize, you know, after suffering um, a TK or a knockout, I'm going to call that a knockout victory because he was, he was pretty much on airplane mode for a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, I think he's going to try to go back to some of the things that worked for him early on. Um, but again, that's 2014, you know, that's, that's seven years in the past, you know, yeah. like you, you know, as you age, you don't really get that springiness back. You know, you may have some of it for around, around and a half, but, uh, you know, we've got some things that we've been working on too. So, you know, you can't expect to see the same destiny as well. And obviously, Dustin Poirier as well completely changed after that that night in Abu Dhabi. And it, it seems that he's only just getting the respect that he deserves from the, the casual mixed martial arts audience. How happy for you, for somebody that's been with him through basically the entire UFC journey, how happy are you to see that he's getting his just dues? Well, I think he's always gotten the respect that he deserves, um, you know, because of the magnitude of the fight. It, it put the fight on like a bigger scale. Uh, so to speak. Um, so yes, I mean yes, he's deservingly. He's he's getting everything that he should have gotten years years ago. Um, and I and I and I think he's only getting better, man. I think you know the best is still yet to come. 
You know, I think people will get a, a taste. They'll get a taste of what he's really, really capable of come July 10th. And one thing I wanted to talk to you about, obviously, boxing runs through your, through your veins, through your, through your family blood. What's your thoughts on the, the, the current state of, of boxing and everything that's going on? Because I, I peeped you at the, uh, you at the Mayweather Logan Paul press conference. And I, I think there's, right. just before the, it all kicked off, there was just a video of you just like just getting out of the way of the, of the ruckus. What's your thoughts on the way boxing is now, nowadays? Because, I mean, it's completely different to when, when your father was competing and even when you were competing yourself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of things have changed in the last, man, three, five, ten years, for sure. Um, okay, so, like, I mean, for example, you know, I've, I've been asked this question quite a bit, um, of my thoughts on uh, the Floyd Mayweather's fight and the YouTubers and, um, you know, TikTokers versus YouTubers and so on and so forth. <laughs> I, I honestly think it's not, a, it's not bad for boxing. Um, you know, I think that the pure enthusiasts know what it is. They know what they're looking at when they see a YouTuber versus a uh, Floyd Mayweather or Jake Paul versus a Ben Askren. Like, you, you understand that this is solely for entertainment-based purposes. Now, um, you look at someone like Jake Paul who's actually really looking to pursue and fight some, you know, different top-tier fighters. Um, and, I, and I think rightfully so, for the type of money that he's making, he should be fighting you know, some, some more dangerous guys. Um, but I, I think the enthusiast recognizes um, the Floyd Mayweather, uh, Logan Paul fight, for example, as purely entertainment-based. I mean, Floyd Mayweather's given us 20, 20 plus years of great fights. Yeah, true. 18 world championship belts uh, won and defended. And I, I think the enthusiast recognizes that and, you know, somebody like Floyd Mayweather, somebody of that stature, and uh, you know, blood, sweat, and tears gave gave us it all, his all at forty four years old. Now, I don't see anything wrong with you know him versus a YouTuber. You know, like why not? You know, the guy the guy deserves it. No, that's that, that's fair enough. And we talked about Dustin finally getting his his props, but after that win, it seemed that a lot of people were giving you you, you your props as well and you're not somebody who craves the, the, the limelight you don't see yourself doing many, many interviews but how, how did it feel that people were holding you in high regard and attributing Dustin's win to the skills that you guys have honed over the last few years um, well you know the, the credit doesn't it can't go to me alone you know the credit definitely goes to um, Tiago Alves who definitely was a big instrumental part in those low calf kicks you know I, I don't teach Dustin kicks <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, I throw a kick at him, um, and he defends it, which is you know things that I have to learn uh, working with it. Uh, mixed martial artists as well, as well. Um, you know, I definitely have to show some of the things that they may see in a fight. So if we got somebody who like Khabib, for example. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not going in for a takedown, but I would act, act as if I was shooting in for a takedown after throw, Dustin throws punches. So we all play our our own role in. Um, you know, his band, you know, we, we are his instruments and in helping him make sure that he has a masterful performance. So Mike Brown, you know, he does his part with MMA and wrestling. Uh, Tiago obviously does his part with uh, kickboxing and, 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 and facilitating the kicks. And I do my thing with the boxing and his movement and his defense. So we all play uh, major keys in, in getting it done for DP. And as I said, you don't do that many interviews, and so subsequently, people might not know your 
your your oranges and how you go into mixed uh, mixed martial arts. Can you explain to uh, to the viewers who will be watching this how your journey into mixed martial arts started? Because if memory serves me correctly, uh, your your father was a boxing director at ATP to begin with. Yeah, that's correct. So my dad was the the head striking coach at American Top Team from two thousand three. So about 2010. In 2010, he started his own mixed martial arts uh, fight promotions. It was called Fight Time Promotions. And I was honestly just coming off the biggest one of my career. I had beat an undefeated uh, guy by the name of Marcus Johnson, who was 20-0 and 0 with 17 knockouts. <clears throat> and my dad um, was letting me know that he was going to be leaving top team and starting his own mixed martial arts promotional company. And he asked me if I would be interested in and coaching and i'm like yeah like that you know I, you know i just won the biggest fight of my career like i don't need the money um you know i'm 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 getting ready to uh possibly really really approach some big money and you know possibly start them you know he's like yeah son i get it you know it sounds good but you're not going to be fighting forever and it's not a bad idea to earn some supplemental income like when you're not fighting, when you're not in training camp. I'm like, yeah, I guess you got a point. So I took the role of coaching as supplemental income. Come to find out, I really enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it just as much as as fighting and winning fights of my own. You know, like when my guy go, went out and performed and done well and they won, you know, I felt like I won as well. Um, the only difference was I wasn't on the receiving end. I didn't take any punches or any kicks. You know, I wasn't bleeding walking out of that out of that cage or the ring. So uh, I've definitely grown to love it. All right, and, and so that's how it came about, honestly. And you, you, you've since branched out, and you, you, if memory serves me correctly, you've got your own gym now in Boca Raton, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I'm actually in my in my gym right now. All right. Do you want to give the Do you want to give a shout out, a plug to it, so the viewers who are in the Boca Raton area can find it? Sure. Um, I have a gym located in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, it's called Boca Boxing District, and, um, you know, we're a class-based gym. Uh, we had three classes today. We got a couple more this evening, and uh, you can find me on Boca Boxing District uh, on Instagram. You can definitely Google and, and find our address and stop in any time. The first class is free. All right. Sounds great. Sounds great. And this is going to be my final question. I really do appreciate the time, as always, Daya. How do you foresee Dustin Poirier versus Colin Gregor 3 playing out? So, initially, I said... Uh, I said he would stop Connor in, in the third round, right? Dude, he's looking so good right now, man. If Connor gets out of his first, maybe second round stoppage, but definitely we come out victorious in third in the third fight in the trilogy, no doubt about it. All right, Guy Davis, thank you very much for the time today. I really do appreciate it. All right, we're back, people. Mike, what did you make of Dyer's? Um, I, I, I don't want to necessarily say uh, supreme confidence in, uh, in Poirier getting the job done, but what what did you make of his prediction for for the fight that they'll, they'll stop Connor again, and also the uh, the their their, uh, their belief that they will see uh, uh, not necessarily a return to the twenty fourteen Connor because obviously he's, he's evolved completely, but a return to maybe the Connor that beat Eddie Alvarez. I think there's two things here. One, you know, for a coach to be looking on Dustin's prowess with those two matches, first up, I can see in the back of their minds, they're probably thinking, well, 
perhaps we needed to see a little bit more of Dustin in order to see how those two have chemistry in terms of striking prowess against striking prowess. They saw that in the second match. That's where they're getting that supreme confidence from. That's where they're getting that kind of like vim and that kind of like vigor in that rhetoric and that speech, which says that they, they are looking for complete dominance this time round. Having seen that played out in the second bout that they had. So I understand where they're coming from. Personally, I think that might be a little bit misplaced. Personally, they need to look at how Conor makes adjustments. Yeah. Conor actually looks at where he has um, failed or his failings and makes those necessary tweaks. That's what they need, really need to be um, clued up on and a little bit more mindful of. No, I, I completely agree. And as you say, Connor is very, very good at making adjustments like the, the Nate Diaz uh, rematch is case in point to that, obviously. He came out like a bat out of hell and he didn't effectively manage his energy resources in that fight. And that proved to be uh, a, a huge, huge detriment to him. And also he uh, he, 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 he adopted the, the approach. I think it was first, was it first RDA who first adopted it against Nate Diaz? realize that Nate leads very, very, very heavy on his lead leg. And you mm. see subsequently everybody that fights Nate Diaz now will go back to the Leon Edwards fight last month. Everybody chops away at Nate Diaz's legs. And Connor did do that in that um, in that rematch. He saw he saw the the opening for for the for the leg kick and he he hammered home so much so that he needed crutches the the after leaving the arena. Yeah. But yeah I I'm expecting Connor to, to make adjustments, but also let's not forget that Poirier will probably make some requisite adjustments as well. One thing I noticed that in when I've been reevaluating the fight is that they were very, very good at countering Connor's uh, counter two. So they were very good at baiting Connor into throwing throwing the overhand and then countering with the with the lead check hook. And I think again, that's something that Connor's team might have picked up on, but I think that's gonna, again they're going to utilize that heavily, but. Also, I wanted to ask you, what's, what's your thoughts on, <laughs> on Connor saying the first one to shoot for a takedown is a dusty bitch or whatever? That's <laughs> I think that's uh, Connor obviously trying to skew things in his favor in terms of how the fight kind of um, will be transpiring. I think as well, we know that's his kryptonite. And I think also that perhaps he's trying to kind of like double bluff. Perhaps it's mind games. But yeah. I know this, that Dustin is or furrowing his own path and that isn't going to actually happen but speaking of furrowing his own path I just wanted to segue neatly into one final thing before we close and that is a person who I'm keen to see and, and in terms of adjustments and in terms of where possible star power might be like heaped on and in terms of investment by the UFC and that is Greg Hardy Greg Hardy takes on Tai Chi I, yeah. I have to say that um, maybe the UFC are wrong on this, considering his background, considering that, you know, this is a well-known uh, woman beater. Yeah. But the facts are, we are where we are. They're heaping praise and they're heaping um, time and marketing, um, I suppose, marketing... Resources. Arsenal yeah. into um, Greg Hardy. And um, I think, again, it goes back to the whole building star power. I feel that Tai Tuvasa will be the person that actually floors him, KOs him and puts him where a lot of people have wanted him to be. And that is flat out on his back, looking at the, the, the bright lights. But time will tell. But that, in terms of narratives, in terms of 
um, intriguing storylines. That is one that I certainly am looking forward to. On no, that that's that. I, I completely forgot that Greg's fighting on that card. And, and anytime Greg fights, uh, there's always people that are saying, oh, well, he, he paid for his mistakes or, or what have you and blah, blah, blah. We should, we should just not, we should just not, we should just forget about it and not talk about it. When it comes to something as, as bad as domestic violence and domestic violence in the case where he threw his partner into a pile of guns. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's, there's, no, there's no shaking that. And even he, even he's admitted that as well to a certain extent. Even he's accepting of it, accepting of the fact that, okay, look, I did wrong and this is going to follow me for, for, for the rest of my life. And to a certain tiny, tiny, there's, there's a tiny iota of respect for, for, for him saying that. And this is the tiniest iota. This is 0.1 of, of, of percent for, for somebody that's, that's done something abhorrent like that. But it, again, it raises the question: Should the UFC be um, be investing their their their, uh, their considerable marketing uh, resources and uh, marketing power, but but behind Greg Hardy? Uh, I mean, it, it's. I mean, if they if, if they're doing it for um, for for Connor as well, and we all know some of the allegations which were which were uh, which were which were leveled his way of, of last year and the, the the previous year. Yeah. One could raise the argument that there's no problem if they're doing it for Connor, that there's no problem that they're doing it for Greg. And you know, there'd be some people saying that, oh, well, what Connor was accused of and what, what he allegedly did was uh, was far worse than what Greg Hardy did. But apples and oranges, still pieces of shit, regardless. Although Connor has not been found guilty of anything whatsoever, I need to, need to, need to mention that. But Personally, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for second chances in life. I, I don't necessarily. It depends on the severity of things that people do. If you're, if, if you kill a child intentionally or whatever, your, your, your hopes are written off for me. There's nothing you can do in life to, to make up for that or, or what have you. But the, this for, for, for our sport and to, to have Greg Hardy, uh, yeah, to, to, to have Greg Hardy. Um, competing it, it's, it's still, it still just doesn't sit well with me i'm I, I as i said i'm all for people having second chances and, and and what have you but at least it's not been the at least it wasn't the, the chronology of the situation didn't happen that greg hardy was accused of whatever happened and then the ufc just picked them up straight away it, like kind of like rewarding and if you if you know what i mean mm-hmm. but again the, the whole thing do, doesn't sit well with me he's uh, i mean I, I, I will respect you as a mixed martial artist for for um, putting your life in the line for our guys' entertainment and what have you. But that is as far as my respect will will, will go for you as, and stretch because what you did was absolutely abhorrent. And yes, you apologized profusely for it and, and what have you. But it's still shit doesn't wash with me. But I hear that. I don't know. I, I don't know necessarily. Like you seem quite uh, quite. Uh, Confident in Tai Tuivasa beating him, I don't. I don't know. You know, like I mean, Tai Tuivasa. Of course, he hasn't. He's he he, uh, he, had, he had a good run to begin with, and then he had a few, like he had a, a mixed bag of results. And remember, he was even cut from the UFC briefly, and then they then they brought him back. Yeah. Uh, so and, and yet, uh, it's he hasn't looked like the guy that everybody thought. Okay, this guy could potentially be a, a contender in the in the heavyweight division, and. Like, like him or not, if you watch, if you go back to watch uh, the the Alexander Volkov fight, 
the, the Volkov Greg Hardy fight. Vol uh, Greg Hardy gave a decent account of himself, and he stood with yeah. a very good striker, man. So, I mean, uh, tie to me, Barca, better watch his P P's and Q's because this isn't necessarily going to be just uh, uh, an easy brawl that he can win or, or, or just that you can walk right through him and what have you. If I was tied to me, and I know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu isn't his, uh, I'm not going to say isn't his forte, he's, he's obviously a mixed martial arts, but it's not his uh, his main skill set. I just try to take the fight down to the ground as soon as possible because we saw what Martian Tibora did to uh, to Hardy as soon as he got him down to the ground. Hardy was like a fish out of war. But speaking of uh, not sitting well, uh, what does sit well with me is the yam dumpling and banana and akin <laughs> oh. which neatly wraps up this episode of Shots Fired as I'm about to chow down. But thank you again, Tsanga Malata, for uh, counting down towards UFC 264. I can't wait for this. It's going to be a phenomenal card. It's also going to be an incredible um, event in that I'm actually going to be seeing it on the, uh, well, in the intended time zone. So oh, I don't even get as well. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, folks. Oh, man, I'm, je I'm jealous of you because uh, obviously I'll have to stay awake until about maybe 7 o'clock in the morning to get everything done that I need to do. And then I'll have to do my paper piece as well. I better start doing some uh, pre-preparation and get like the majority of it written because it's going to be a long ass day, long ass night. I'm going to let you stock up on the sleep that you're going to necessarily order <laughs> before Saturday. And on that note, enjoy the fights, people. Peace, people.